Hello, my wonderful listeners, and welcome to this week's Catamania episode. Before I introduce you guys to my guest, which I actually don't think she needs an introduction because I have a very strong feeling many of you know who she is. I do want to know if there's anyone out there, my ladies, between ages of, I don't know, 25 and 35, who still doesn't know how to put on fake eyelashes. Because I don't. (laughs) And I don't know how to do full glam. And I love full glam. I love wearing fake eyelashes. I love doing that for events, but if I ever have to do it, I have to get help because when it comes to makeup, I have a syndrome that is called in my mother tongue, Ruki Rastushi's Jopui, and um, I don't know how to do it. The reason why I'm saying this is because randomly enough, this ties into the episode. Uh, my guest is, or was for this episode, a gorgeous woman uh, who had such a beautiful makeup during this episode, and she always wears just like... I don't know, she just always looks great. And she assured me that putting on eyelashes is very easy. And we agree that at some point in the future, we will do um, an Instagram live where we will teach ones like me who also have the syndrome of Rukirastushi's Jopi on how to glue on your eyelashes. But anyways, I'm actually curious to know if there's anyone out there who still hasn't figured that one out. My guest is honestly the funniest woman I know. I absolutely love following her. I love every single piece of her content that she posts. And... She's an incredibly intelligent woman who overcame such insane adversity, like the kind of adversity that looked like she wasn't going to be able to continue doing what she loves and physical disability. She did it in just the most incredible way. I think you'll find it, I think you'll find it very inspiring. And uh, she's also someone who's worked in the entertainment industry pretty much her whole life. So I know that you will love this episode and I know that you will love my guest, and I know that many of you just judging by comments and the messages that I get from you, the type of humor that you guys are into, the worldview that many of you have, you probably would have come across her, if not follow her. I know that many of you will likely be like, oh yeah, that's her. So without further ado, give it up for Miss Nicole Arbor. If you like this episode and this podcast, please give it five stars, thumbs up, whatever the like button is on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Enjoy and stay blessed. Action. Welcome to Catamania, (laughs) Miss Nicole Arbor. I'm so excited to be here. I love you so much. I watch all your videos and I love them all. (laughs) This means so much. I, oh my gosh, I followed you Ever since you posted, remember that video you had about the law firm, like SJ&W? Ah, yes. (laughs) I saw that video and I was like, this girl is freaking amazing. And (laughs) I followed you since then. And you were like a space for sanity for me during COVID. Like I would go on your page and I'd be like, oh, good people still exist. You know, reasonable people still exist. (laughs) And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think disagreeing with one another is essential, but it's fascinating to me how I agree with everything you post like sometimes I'm like (laughs) isn't there something that we disagree on like there's got to be something and every single thing you post I'm like wow this is this girl has some this girl has some brains in there that are amazing so thank you surprising (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) you know what's funny though is like here I'm getting tangled in my cord I think the same thing about your videos and I was like okay maybe is it because of like the eastern European background that like you know, our ancestors just said whatever they thought and there's no like BS to it. We're not trying to sugarcoat things unless it's a dessert, then there's lots of sugar. But like, we're, you know, like maybe it's our background that we just like do and say what we actually think is real and right. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, I think our people are a lot more blunt and they don't get offended as easily. Like that's something that I noticed. I've never met so many people who get so easily offended until I moved to North America. And I was like, why do you guys care so much about what people say? Like you just, you know, just speak your truth. Realize that you need to disagree with one another for healthy, like for for, for healthy reasons, actually. You need to be able to disagree with one another. Why are you all so offended all the time? Exactly. I want to hear like where, what is your background exactly? Um, So I'm a European mutt. That's like the easiest way to say it. So there's like Ukrainian Polish on my mom's side and then English, Irish, French on my dad's side. So like my ancestors are just, they were just in Europe. <laughs> That's why you're so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm, thank you. Back at you. It's like, <laughs> we all have like the same figure. And when, <laughs> when I went to Sweden and then when I was close to the Ukraine, everybody thought that I was a local and would talk to me in Swedish or like Ukrainian. 
Amazing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think it definitely, you're right. It, it does have something to do with it. And it's interesting because, you know, like your content and your comedy, it's very thought provoking. It's hilarious, but it's also somehow like you keep it non-divisive. You kind of unite, at least, at least that's what I see. I'm sure there's somebody who maybe sees it and internalizes it and, you know, gets offended. But I really feel like every single piece of your content that you make, it's like uniting, which is just a rare thing in our society these days. So thanks kudos to you. You're doing an amazing job. Um, and you. I want to know how you got here. Like, how did comedy become your, your, your thing? Girl, I've been in this for a long time. Like, I was in entertainment since I was a kid. Like, like the dancing and the cheerleading. I was in professional musicals since I was a kid. And then, and dancing and all that stuff. And then when it came time for college, I had scholarships for dancing and acting and political science. So that's kind of like a funny one. Um, the government of Canada was going to pay for me to go into politics. And then at the last second, I saw my friend's college book. She was like looking through her courses. And I was just like, comedy school? What the heck is this? And it's one of the only times in my whole life I saw a literal light bulb, like a freaking cartoon. And it was like, you're a comedian, Nicole, go to comedy school. And then I took it to my parents. I was like, I want to try it for this. And they're like, no, <laughs> you're not funny. You're not doing this. Like, this is not a career. And definitely some Eastern European in there. I can already hear it. My parents would have said the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not even funny, you know, like, <laughs> no. And I'm like, other people think I'm funny. So they let me audition. That was like the deal I made with them is I would audition. And then my mom would speak with the the dean basically of that whole school. So it was through Humber College, Humber School of Comedy. And after I did my audition, I don't remember if they offered a scholarship right then, but I know I eventually got one. And they were like, yeah, this is what she's supposed to do. And these are the people that started Second City and SETV, which turned into SNL. So these are pretty credible people telling my mom like, yo, your kid's a professional idiot, trust us. <laughs> and then I went to comedy school for two years and a lot of people are like, what? Like you, you're, my degree is in comedy. Like that's what mm -hmm. I did. So I did like comedy performance and writing and sketch writing and stand up. I started doing stand up when I was 18 and all these different things. I took uh, like circus classes and clowning with Cirque du Soleil people, which was pretty cool. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually a professional clown. So when I uh, had professional clown, so then when I was injured in a car accident, which I know we're probably gonna talk about a little bit. I couldn't do stand up anymore because I like physically couldn't go out to the clubs, couldn't tour, couldn't do the shows. At the time, I was on Much Music in Canada when I got in the car accident. So I had like the number one show in Canada on our version of MTV. I was doing feature films, feature comedies, everything was awesome. And then I was in this car accident and I couldn't do any of the stuff that I used to do. And I could do like very small things here and there. And then someone told me about YouTube, like seven years into being disabled and in bed most of the time. And I didn't tell the YouTube agency or YouTube because they both reached out to me that I was disabled. I didn't tell them that I couldn't get out of bed. I was like, maybe this is my shot. I could do this and mm -hmm. take videos of myself. So my first, like, I think it's like, 600 million views or something was shot in my bed and like just against a white wall and nobody had any idea. And then that's how I got into the internet. <laughs> okay. From a real professional, like serial entertainer, so to speak, to yeah. a disabled person after a car accident, mm -hmm. to back to entertainment that you kind of birthed from like the most severe adversity that you had. Yeah. How, how in the fuck, like, how did you not give up after the car accident? I've, I've, you know, heard you talk about it and I would love to, you know, for you to share with, with our audience here a little bit more about like, how did you manage your mental state? I mean, you, I know you were talking about like, you were pretty much put on disability and you were it told that you would never. Chills. Like even, I don't do podcasts that often where we're going to talk about this because every time we do, like my eyes get teary and I go back. And yeah. it's like, I have full body chills right now. Cause it's like, how the fuck did I do that? Yeah. How did I do that? But the, the truth is I have the answer and I actually like not even to like plug, but I turned it into a freaking course because I was so mad that the tools weren't available for me. 
And then I had to go through what I went through for seven years in a medical system that is clearly broken and mm -hmm. is has been taken over by pharmaceutical. So the medical industry, for people who don't know, especially in Canada and the U.S., is not based on medicine and getting people well anymore. The goal is to sell products. And me being injured in a car accident, you also have to go through insurance. So mm -hmm. insurance will say you have to do whatever these doctors tell you to or you're not trying to get better. And those doctors are just going to feed you drugs and tell you to rest. And then they're going to be like, oh, your doctor said you need 15 appointments of physiotherapy. We're going to give you two and see how you do and then reapply. And 60 days later, we'll see how you're doing. Like, it's just such a broken system that I had to get really mad. And I, like, I have videos, like I took video diaries because my hand didn't really work. I had like, I had a full claw on this hand for most days from nerve damage from my neck. And then this hand, I couldn't really write anymore because nerve damage that went through my hands and just all sorts of damage. So I would take these video diaries so I could show them to my doctors. And I got so mad one day, specifically when I was told I have to wait even longer to get into the pain clinic that I know I needed, but there's just these weird lists you got to get on. And they're like, oh, you had to have been suffering for five years or more. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that to people? You know you have a remedy and you're going to make them lose five years of their life, which is going to hurt their brain, hurt their spirit. I couldn't do any of the stuff that made me who I was. I lost most of my friends, well, my fake friends. Um, I didn't have a life. I woke up on the floor most days in my grandma's house, and that's where I would go back to bed because the floor felt better on my back than an actual bed. And even like slight movements on a mattress, I would throw up like it was such horrible nerve damage. But the long answer to get to your question is I got mad. And I think that, you know, we talk about empathy and being kindness and all of these kinds of feelings, and that's not what's going to get you better. You have to be so mad at the situation that you're in that you're willing to fight for your win. And that's what I did. I got my disability certificate for life. I had already been on disability, but I got that certificate for life and I went, fuck this. Like, this is not the end for me. Like, <laughs> sorry, I don't know if you if you work at the swears after, but like, I was like, no, fuck no, you can, this, you're welcome to fuck start. you guys. Like, no, this is not the end. And if you can't do the damn job that you're here to do, you're fired. And I became the CEO of my own health. And that's how I started looking at it is I'm a CEO. And if you guys aren't doing your jobs, you're fired. So I fired my doctors. I was like, your job's to get me better. Did you do it? No, bye. I need to replace you. It's like, if you have a losing team, are you going to keep the same team or are you going to do trades? And we've just been brought up in this idea that you have one doctor, they're your doctor for your whole life. And who's your doctor? Oh, how long have you had them? It doesn't matter. You should be trying out other doctors until they give you the results you want. So I fired everybody. I started on a clean slate. I read Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. And I pretty much like brainwashed myself. And I was listening to, I always forget, but it's like, I think it's like three to four sermons a day minimum. Like I, I still listen to a sermon every single day. Whatever religion you're into, just something that's going to uplift you, connect you back to God. I would do that every day. And then I would listen to motivation all day, every day. And I put sticky notes all over my whole house, like a crazy person that says like, don't give up. You're getting better every day. You look gorgeous. You're gaining weight again. Cause I couldn't eat solid food. My jaw was so broken up from TMJ. So I got super skinny. Um, and I was like, the sticky notes, like you look hot. Any negative thought I had, I would put the opposite thought everywhere that I would see it all day. And I just started freaking believing it. And then I did alternative treatments and I did a completely alkaline diet. And I figured out all these other things that I could do to make my body ready to heal. And I kept in my head that like, hey, if your cells, all your cells regenerate within, I, I think it's like seven years or something or six years, there's no reason my body can't heal. All those cells that got damaged should be gone. So these doctors, all they do is prescribe pills. I'm gonna find a team that believe in natural medicine, that believe in actually healing the body, not just treating symptoms. And that's how I started going through. And it's, it's extreme optimism. And people say this thing about like, 
oh, you know, it's toxic optimism or toxic positivity. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. This shit works. It got me better. It's part of what I prescribe to people. Like you have to be crazy to achieve your dreams and entertainment or anything you want to do. And you have to be crazy to get better from being really ill. You have to be so into it. Like it has to be part of your being like an athlete training for an actual like marathon or something. So yeah. that's what I did. And the mental thing I think is the hardest part for people because when you have doctors telling you, oh, it's degenerative or, oh, everybody's feeling this or 80% of Americans, whatever the number is, are on drugs. It's fine. Just do that. Your family members saying like, oh, just, just do what the doctor says or you're fine or you look fine, whatever. You might just sit there, but you have to get mad and take control of your life. So first of all, this is such a mic drop moment, like everything that you just said, but I can't drop this mic because it's my only podcasting mic. But holy, it's, it's such a crazy story. And, you know, like you were mentioning about the mind, your mind doesn't know the difference between real or not real, right? Like they always mm -hmm. say that if, so if you train it to think positively, if you train it to focus on the good, very evidently, like in your case specifically, because for you, it must've been even harder because when you're trying to like, you know, change your mental game and let's say like manifest something, but you're already in, not in pain and you're feeling okay, it's easier. But you were in pain. You were struggling so much and you managed to completely change your life through all this work that you've done. So if our listeners are still wondering if this whole thing works, it really does. And Nicole is it a living works. example of it. Yeah. It works. And it's not just that, like, I'm not going to be silly about it. Mm -hmm. There is an actual system of things you need to do. And because I was so angry I sought anything I could find. So I put myself in clinical trials just to learn alternative ways that are maybe coming down the pipes. I did studies at the head injury clinic at St. Michael's in Toronto. I put myself in them. I asked if I could observe, come in and observe other studies that are being done at different head injury clinics, at chronic pain clinics. And there's a formula that if you follow these seven, I call them the seven pillars, you can make yourself uh, I won't say the word pain-free because that's illegal because, you know, it makes it illegal to say what you can actually do. Silly pharma. It's um, illegal. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there's language that you can get sued for. If I say I can make you pain-free, I could be sued, even though if you follow these seven pillars that I've like super detailed out now in a course, just because F everybody who wants to keep us sick, um, they work. They work mm -hmm. like I can a hundred percent decrease anybody's pain that's coming from anything. I know how to do it now. So that's kind of like my other positive rainbow is I'm like, that's why all this happened. That's why, because mm. I got this like freaking key now that I can give to other people and seeing it work has been, I'm like, yeah, that's my life's purpose. Dope. <laughs> Would you say in some crazy way, like looking back on that experience, it was like without it, you wouldn't have been able to be where you are today. Is that kind 100, of the, yeah. hundred percent because my first like seven or eight videos that all went viral, I made a list of what, cause I wasn't in society. I was kind of out of society watching it via TV, via the internet. And what I realized was a couple things. People in pain become haters. As they say, hurt people hurt people. I caught myself being a hater to other people online when I was in my most physical and emotional pain. So that was one thing. So I kind of feel like I understand haters more now. I'm like, oh, I've been there. I understand. Interesting. Yeah. And then number two was I made a list of all of the reasons that the world is suffering. And the number one reason is we're full of shit. We lie. I'm like, why is everybody lying? I could see it when I stepped back. I'm like, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. And I made a list of all the things that we lie about. And, it, you know, one was obesity. One was why people get divorced. One was religions. One was um, the difference between black people and white people and racism. And I just made this list of all the lies that we're telling. And then I made the videos. Oh, Instagram models was the first one. And I just made the videos one after another, let my audience vote on which topic they wanted next. And then just told the truth and made it funny and people liked it. And I'm like, yeah, because we all actually need the truth. Like we need water. Like we need that. We need yeah. someone else to be like, oh, you're not crazy. I'm thinking that too. 
Yeah, totally. And you're really good at calling out the BS. I mean, anytime anything happens and you post something, I'm like, yes, this is exactly <laughs> what everybody's thinking, you know? Yeah. Why don't, why don't we do that more? Like, why aren't more people doing it, do you think? So that's something actually you that did. I wanted to ask you. Um, we talked in the beginning of, you know, our conversation how maybe we have a little bit more of a predisposition to being more blunt because we're less afraid of other people's opinions. And it's not even that, like for me, I think it's also like my family, my grandparents, my great grandparents have lived in very repressed societies where you couldn't say shit, you know, like you could not criticize, especially like the authorities. So me moving to, you know, North America to Canada, I was like, I can't sacrifice that right that I have. It's being attacked. It's be it's in danger, this, you know, freedom mm -hmm. of speech thing. But if I don't say the things that I think are true, then I am going to participate in something like, you know, USSR 2.0, yeah. circa Stalin's time, happening again. And I don't want to do that because, like, that sucked. And, you know, I've made it to this side of the world where that was never the case, where you could freely speak your mind and discuss ideas and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I can't sacrifice that. Why are more people not doing it? I think probably because they're, I mean, just afraid, you know, of losing their job, of losing their friends, of maybe they're not 100% sure in their beliefs. Maybe they're, mm -hmm. mm, which even like, I mean, I change my mind sometimes. Like I'll, I'll I think believe that's something. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Then I'll just, right? you know, make another video about it. Be like, hey, you know what I just discovered? And I think it's the coolest thing ever because it's like, wow, I've evolved. Like I used to think this way and now I think this way, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. What's your take on that? Like, why aren't more people doing it? Well, I just want to say, first of all, I just saw my makeup like in this thing now and I did my makeup in a dark room. So this is a little bit um, clubby bomb. for like the middle. Thank you. It's like, it's like, the, <laughs> you know, we're, we're recording in the middle of the day. For those of you who don't know, it's like noon and I'm like looking like, uh, you know, a little hooker-esque, <laughs> like a, a hooker chic, I'll call it. So <laughs> don't I do think it's I, I wouldn't compare it to a hooker, but if you were to go down that path, I would say like a glam classy Classy. classy but not hooker classy you're just hooker. glam and classy that's what okay it is. thank you thank you a little I bit mean, boho a, a little of, bit glam a lot of escorts these days have very beautiful extensions <laughs> and makeup like i see them i'll be in the salon i'll be like girl what do you do and she's like well <laughs> who don't i do <laughs> and i'm like oh got you got you um you so definitely don't look you do not look like a hooker even a little bit just FYI. Thank it's you. a beautiful uh, it's a beautiful makeup it. and if you. we were together in the same city right now i would insist on like going out for dinner or some kind of a lounge after, but thank you. I would be yeah. there. Um, <laughs> that's funny. I think that people got scared and it's, yeah. but, but this is the disease. This is the thing that I saw while I had to like step away from society. And I'm kind of glad I had that time to sit there and be like, the fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> what, yeah. why are we all participating in this game? Who, who made this game? Nobody cool. It's yeah. never the good people trying to censor speech ever in the history of the world. It's never the good people saying you have to say this or you have to say that, whether it be about trans, gay, hot, not, whatever it is. Like censoring isn't good ever, but we're playing along and yeah. people play along. I just think it's fear. That's all it is. It's just fear. Yeah. But I, I want them to not be scared. Like I've been canceled, fully canceled, I think 12 times now. And I'm making more money than I've ever made. I have a great life. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What advice would you give to somebody, you know, like um, I, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, you know what, like, I really feel like speaking up, but I'm like, just, you know, a normal, I don't know, normal Liz who works in the corporate world and accounting and I'm, you know, disagreeing with a lot of things in my company, but also not just my company. I kind of do feel like putting myself out into the world. But if I do, I might lose my stable income. You know, if they're listening to this and they're like, okay, good for you girls. Like you've already sort of started to, well, you've already established yourself big time in the entertainment industry and you're not dependent really on something like the corporate grind. Mm -hmm. But I am. So how do I do that? How, how do I fill myself with this courage to speak up? Uh, find friends where you can do it. You know, have a friend group where you guys can be honest and tell the truth or debate. Oh my gosh, I love my friend groups, especially like some good comic friends. We can all talk shit. We can debate any topic. We can de silly debate it or real debate it. We can whatever. We can say whatever we want and no one's going to be offended. 
and it's awesome. And then mm -hmm. that kind of like gets that off your chest. And then you can go back and play your little corporate game and whatever. Um, but I think if there's something that's really against your morals or your values happening at that company, the chances of them changing it, like you can present it to someone in HR or present it in some way, but you have to really decide if that's the place you want to be because it's not your company to change. Mm -hmm. So chances are the company knows what's going on. And if that doesn't align with your values and morals, then make an exit strategy for yourself. Don't be stupid and just quit on a whim and have no money. Like make an ex exit strategy, create a side hustle, and then be places where you're going to be happy. Like it's 80 years if we're lucky, right? Like you're going to die. I just downloaded this app actually that reminds me multiple times a day that I'm going to die. Oh my God. I, what is it called? I, I got to find it. Okay. This is the wrong phone. I'm going to find it for you and I'll tell you. <laughs> Okay. I saw an ad for it and I'm like, this is amazing. Yes. Remind me I'm going to die so that every yeah. decision I'm making, I'm like, is this towards what I want? If I know I'm going to be dead one day or is this stupid and noise and I don't care, you know? There's, amen to all of that. There's a video that is I, I scheduled to post um, tomorrow morning, I think. Somebody asked me like, how do you become more confident? I'm like, mm -hmm. realize that you have absolutely no idea when you're going to die. Like no idea. Could be tomorrow, could be in 10 minutes, could be in 10 years, 20 years, but realize that you could die at any moment. Yeah, that's why I had sex with my boyfriend last night. I was like, <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. It's late. I got to get up early. I'm like, oh, but I love him and he's hot and we're here right now and I could be dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like realize that it's, you know, it sounds like a kind of a dark fact, but it's a fact and it's just <laughs> part of life and it could happen at any moment. So, you know, every time you kind of stop yourself from expressing yourself or being who you want to be or speaking up or whatever, it was having sex with your boyfriend, you're like, I'm tired. We'll do it tomorrow. You know, just remind yourself, you might, you might not have another, you know, chance. One day so. ladies, you were dreaming of that exact peen and now it's here. <laughs> don't, don't forebode your blessings, you know, like. <laughs> I love that so much. Yes. <laughs> and what about, so you, you obviously are very, you know, outspoken and you don't really care about what others say and you're, you call out the BS, but do you ever have moments when you're like, should I say that? Is that gonna, you know, like, do you ever fear a little bit? I don't I, fear, mm -hmm. but I've realized that politics isn't worth it. It doesn't matter. It's not mm -hmm. real. It's a reality show. And you're participating with the lowest, dirtiest, smuttiest, will do anything for fame power, attention, money, like they're the worst human beings on the planet. Like there's a, there's a few good politicians here and there that are there for good intentions. Um, but the rest of the people there around them, anything, they're genuinely the most vile humans I've met on this whole planet. So I want nothing to do with it. So sometimes when I go to post something and I'm like, oh, this is actually about politics. Is it a joke? Is it whatever? Because it's not going to bring me any good energy that I actually want because it's not mm. real. And why do I want to alienate half the people in the world who might vote differently or think differently when in a tiny little post like this, I can't explain everything I think about the whole situation. So I've just been like, no, I'm not like, if I look at it and I'm about to post something politics, I'm like, don't do it. Nothing yeah. good will come of this. Yeah. Yeah. I've made that decision when I kind of started to embark on the journey of social media and so on and so forth, which by the way, I used to, I used to work in audit and accounting. So I, I was wow. asking you that question because I was like, whoa, like we need to, somebody will connect with this. Okay. So your books are very like meticulous, yeah. <laughs> nice. but I always had like that creative side of me that just had to come out eventually because when I moved to Canada, I kind of suppressed it. Cause I was like, I have to make money. I have to, you know, survive and all that kind of stuff. And then I, during COVID, I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Things are weird. I'm just going to mm -hmm. like let it out. But same, same as you, I kind of, I'm careful about politics because I feel the exact same way. And I don't want to divide people any further. If there's something to make fun of, I'll make fun of it for yeah, sure. Exactly. And I'll call it out, but I'm not going to like go to one side or the other because it's just, it's, it's a dumb game. And any of these camps that you go to, they're ridiculous. You know, they're they don't just... even know what they stand for. They're, no. they're so inconsistent. Like, it's yeah. just like, I don't want to be on your team because you don't even know what your team is. So exactly. I'm just going to go topic by topic, make fun of everything as we go. To me, it's like, oh, are you a good person? Are you good to other people? You believe in working hard? I fuck with you. The end. Like, yeah. you're not trying to hurt anybody else along the way. Cool. We're good. Yeah. yeah. We, we want to save kids and human trafficking. Great. I'm in, you know, like, 
it's very basic for me. I don't care about all the intricacies. It's just dumb. Yeah, for sure. Why do you think that um, only the worst of the worst end in politics, which is an absolute uh, undeniable fact? But why is that? Uh, you don't have to have any talent and you can get attention. That's that's what I've deciphered. You can be a complete asshole, have no talent and get a lot of attention for being a bigger jerk every time. It's an asshole competition. It's who could be the most <laughs> negative, scream the loudest, hate everything. And it reminds me of like a dance teacher I had when I was a kid that was like, you know, it's not cool to hate things. It's cool to create things. And I'm like, Ooh. oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what are these people ever saying that they love and what are they actually making? Nothing. They're constantly every day trying to out negativity each other. And it's just the kind of people attracted to that in general are either the slim amount of people who want to make the world a better place. So they're in politics and the rest of them had no other talent and no other way to get attention. And they're like, this is what I can do. <laughs> I can get yeah. stock tips by being a politician. Totally. I always think, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. So don't quote me on that. But that's probably the reason why I can so freely say it. There's like a certain level of narcissism and sociopathy. The, and sometimes even psychopathy, right? And some of them that you can see. Uh-huh. And I'm like, this is, how are we still paying attention to them? And that's something that I also wanted to kind of ask you. Why do you think for some people it's so easy to get, you know, brainwashed and persuaded to go on one side and against everybody else who might even like have an ounce of a different thought? It's very easy, actually. It's psychology 101. It's just, it's the same thing that's done in advertising and they do it every day. So I really want people to be aware of this. In advertising and marketing, which I've been in for like 15 years now too. I work with some of the biggest brands in the world, help them sell awesome products. I love doing it. I write funny shit for them. You tap on an emotion. So the emotion of CNN and Fox News is usually fear and outrage. Those are the two ways they can get people really ignited, clicking. Oh my God, did you know your neighborhood might burn to the ground? Oh my God, I'm going to click on that. Mm -hmm. uh, this person is the worst person ever. Oh, I'm a better person than them. Let's see what this horrible person did. It's in rage and anger. Those are like what feed politics. And then, you know, something else like Oprah, for example, like just generally her feed and what she does, it's positivity, motivation, inspirational. That will attract a different kind of person. So if you're already in a vulnerable state and you're in fear or you're angry or you feel disenfranchised, you will be drawn to that energy and people being like, yeah, we hate them too. It's like, yeah, let's all hate them together. These are the ones to blame for all our problems. You know, it's, it's just a, a psychology game. And it's so sad for me to watch it work every single day. Like, cause yeah. it does, it works every day. And I was like, how can something be horrible every day? Every day, you know? Every it's, day, yeah. Every day is the worst day ever. Oh my God, did you see what happened here? It's like, you know how many People good things happen every day? Yeah, people love to marinate in misery. I never understood that. Like our brains are wired almost to look. I guess it's like that thing of looking out for danger. But mm -hmm. it's crazy to me. Like I have family members who just have news all day long, all the time. And I'm like, how do you Same. not like, how are you not crying in bed well, they all get a the fix. time? They get a fix yeah. from it. They get like a, a hit of adrenaline or like a little, they get like their little dopamine hit from it. It's the same mm -hmm. as reality TV. Like I, you can't make me sit down and watch people scream at each other. That's not entertaining to me. You know, like people being the worst to other people, I don't find that fun. I want to watch something that's going to make me laugh, teach me something, or I like action because I think action is really cool. Um, yeah, but I don't want to spend my time watching what I don't want in my life because I know it's going to attract it. Right. Do you think it has to do something with the fact that you just have like a life that you've created for yourself that you're happy with overall like you have your life in and of itself is exciting enough and you have good things happening with you so you don't need this like weird drama escape to entertain yourself like your life is entertaining enough is that that's why very possible that's possible mm -hmm. but i also think it goes back to like the when i was disabled i cold cut off everything that made me feel that like <gasps> Ugh, mm, feeling so no mm -hmm. news I went hardcore no news at all um I used to watch CSI all the time and like all that crime stuff and I'm like you know this is probably not good for me to be seeing people in pain and hurt and crying and 
it's just bad. It's just like, it's not good for your body to be feeling those emotions when they're not yours. So I cut that off too. I cut off all these things that would like spike my emotions for no reason. And I felt so much better and I could level out. And I believe it's a big cause of depression in people is we're naturally empathetic creatures. So if we're watching someone in pain or in a fight or in whatever, we're responding to it physiologically. So it's like, why are you going to do that to yourself? I'm not. Okay. The end. Yeah. But my life is exciting, but anybody can make their life exciting. Yeah. And what about like to play devil's advocate, you know, do it. It's like, well, Nicole, you know, I'm, it all sounds fun and, and good. And, but like, you know, my life, I'm, I'm struggling right now. Like I'm struggling and I need to know what's going on in the world to make informed decisions because that's mm. what everybody says to me whenever, like I, I had that conversation with my mom, which actually made her quit watching news, which was a yes! huge deal. Congratulations. She, I know. My mom, she mom had, I've been trying for so uh, long. Yeah. She, I, I was just like, just try. Like wh- when I, when I visited her a couple of years ago, I went, um, or I woke up and I was like, mom, listen today, I'm just going to show you. Let's just try for one day. We're just going to listen to music. What's your favorite music? And she loves Sting. And I was like, perfect. Let's put on Sting. I put on Sting in the morning. We listen to some other music in the afternoon. And I thought she was like, you know what? I do actually feel better. Like I'm more calm today. I'm not as easily irritable. But so what advice would you give to somebody who, you know, in my case, I was able to convince my mom. But if somebody's like listening to this right now, they're like, okay, but I need to know what's going on. Otherwise, and I can't. what? What, what yeah. is it you're going to do to affect the world news? Let's be honest with ourselves. Like if it's local news where it's like, oh, there's a fire coming over the brush because you live in LA and there's wildfires or even in Canada. Mm. Cool. But outside of that, you're not going to affect anything. You don't actually need to know this stuff. And the easiest to me, I just go on Twitter and I'll just go to the, like the trends or world news, take a quick scan, be like, no, okay. I don't actually need to click on and see that fighting in, Zimbabwe or whatever, whatever it is. And then I'm, I'm informed. You don't need to watch people spin stories into the most dramatic, scary situation ever to be informed on what's happening. Um, but I love what you did with your mom. And that's literally what I did with myself. Like you have to have a replacement. So Mm -hmm. I would like to challenge your audience. If you're watching the news to maybe just do that little Twitter scroll just on the trends. So there you're informed. You saw what's going on. You're good to go. Your family is safe. And then replace it with stand-up comedy. Mm. Put on a comedy podcast. Just put it on in your house while you're getting ready, walking around, whatever. Or, or a sermon, if that's something you're into, or motivation. But comedy instantly will put you in a better mood all day. Like, to the degree where people will be like, what's, what's up with you? Like, that happens with me when I put on, like, stand-up or something funny in the morning or listen to my, my sermons. I love them. People will be like, why are you so happy? And I'm like... I, I program this shit. Like you have yeah. to program it. It's the same as the food you eat. If you're eating McDonald's, you're going to get fat. If you're watching the news, you're going to have a fat head full of trash. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. It's the same thing. I, I say that always, like what you put in your mind is even at some, on some level more important than what you put, like your food is also as important, but you have to start mm-hmm. with your mind because otherwise it's, it's just not going to work. And yeah. if somebody is listening to this right now and they're like, Oh, you know what? Um, it's easy for Nicole to say she's such a star and she's, you know, Thanks. always been doing what she's doing. But I would say that look back at what happened, right? You went through the most horrific experience with the risk of never being able to do what you can do, what you love doing, mm. and you came out of it, right? So if, if Nicole could do it, so can you. I have to push it a bit further if you let me. Um, of course, please. Being disabled was really really freaking hard. I did get to the point where I was ready to commit suicide, not because I don't love being alive, but because the physical pain that I was in constantly was so maddening. So anybody listening that's ever been in that level of physical pain, I understand it where you're just like, I just need this to stop. So, and I felt like a burden to the world. So Mm -hmm. I've been there. And I also know that emotional pain can be just as hard because of what I experienced after in entertainment Mm -hmm. with people you know, putting out lies about me and going through all the fake press and having bloggers or political influencers just make up complete bullshit about me and dealing with stalkers and all these other things that you don't think are going to happen when you get into entertainment. Experiencing all that stuff, if I didn't have the tools for my mindset and for not reading all of it and whatever, 
I would have been done. Like you see celebrities crash and burn all the time and be like, how did that happen? How did they get on drugs? It's like, well, you didn't see the entertainment tonight report about what a loser they are yesterday about how that person got fat. You didn't see their cellulite pointed out in that magazine. Like we're the ones causing these mental health issues in people. And then we're not prepared for it when it comes. So I just want to go back and say like, yeah, mental health. And like, that's part of mental health is preparing yourself and having the freaking tools and not damaging yourself. So you're strong. So when shit does happen, you're ready to go. Hmm. I love I that. that made sense. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Entertainment industry is something that I would, I know we're kind of running out of time because I know you mentioned you have an engagement after, but I would be so curious to chat with you about the entertainment industry if you'd be if you'd be open to it and your I'm experience so open and to it. Hollywood and LA and all of that because yeah oh my I feel gosh like, I'm absolutely. so I'm so down we can just conclude by telling you how beautiful your eyelashes are because I can't <gasps> put on fake eyelashes thank you oh my Still. gosh I can teach you it's so easy I can teach you there's like a method Wait, please I'll do, do. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this super quick and I'll jump okay. Hold it. Don't do any of the weird shit that they say. Just put the glue just a little bit like this and always start on the outer corner. So just stick the outer corner down and kind of let it fall into place. And then just dip, 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 and it will stay. I feel like that's what I do, but it never works. Okay, we're going to do know. it live in a video together. Let's do it because I have, an, I have this, there's this expression in Russian, which means hands and arms growing from your ass, which means like when you're clumsy and you can't do anything. I'm not clumsy, <laughs> but I cannot put on eyelashes. But anyways, I don't want to hold you any longer. Let me know when you're done and then we can do the eyelashes and talk about entertainment industry a little bit more. Perfect. I love okay. it. We're back for part two. We had a little break in between, although it wasn't really a break because you carried on with work. <laughs> but meetings, meetings. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, I guess, your experience in entertainment industry. I don't know how deep you want to go in that, but you're obviously still part of it technically, yeah. but not in like a conventional entertainment industry way, so to speak. How does that work? And how, how do you, because I in think you were ways. mentioning you live in, U.S. right are you based out of U.S.? Yeah I'm mostly in the U.S. but mm -hmm. I'm, tra I'm traveling all the time so mm -hmm. I'm all over the place and I come from traditional entertainment like I started like TV and musicals and that stuff and I am going back that way now so mm -hmm. I've written uh, some movies TV properties cartoons a bunch of different things that people are all shopping them and people are bidding on them right now so I'll be going back to that but I think the more interesting part for people is like entertainment and social media are not the same thing like excuse mm -hmm. me they're not the same thing like people in the social media world i even started like writing a how-to guide for people like rising to social media fame whatever level comes with challenges you will never experience or you don't experience the same way just in entertainment and i think people are insane and they don't like nobody gives you a manual nobody tells you what to expect nobody tells you that like I remember one of my first things in LA when I went to an event and this really well-known female influencer, like millions and millions and millions of followers, gorgeous girl, her boyfriend holds my hand out of nowhere. And I don't even know this guy. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And he had someone right there trying to take photos. And I was like, what, what are you doing? And it was like a setup because they wanted some drama. Oh. And I was like, what in the actual F? Like people will put you, especially social media people, if they're just about attention, 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 and they don't have like a message or they're not a comedian or they're not like a, a talent of some sort, they just cause drama and they need constant issues. So they'll create them and you're in their, you are in their reality show, whether you know it or not. There's no real friends when you come to like those kinds of people. No real friendships at all. When it comes to that type of influencer, absolutely right. not. Like, right. and I remember being around like, the prankers back in the day and people used to be like don't go near them they're going to prank you like if you even meet up with them for a meeting they're pranking you you're on their reality show and i was like yeah right and then it happened and i was like okay i get it like it was very uh that first wave of social media influencers was so dog eat dog and they still are like i see people making up fake relationships and fake fights and all this stuff all the time i personally had a very large female political influencer allegedly taping our private phone conversations. So that was pretty wild. And I'm like, what are you doing with your life? You know what I mean? So that, that, that part was really crazy. 
how, how do you even know like what you're getting yourself into in that situation then or in those situations? Because I would presume you'd make a lot of, um, you know, connections that appear to be authentic. So how mm -hmm. do you distinguish between those? And do you even get any authentic connections when you're in that that deep into that industry? I feel like I'm pretty good at it now. Mm -hmm. um, at first, of course, it's almost like the LA way or it's just like the internet ways. Everybody wants to work with you. Everybody wants to be your best friend. Everybody, oh, we're going to do this, this, and this. Look for them being their word. You mm -hmm. know, so if they say they're going to do this project with you, did they follow up? If they say they're doing, you know, X, Y, Z with other people, do they follow up and actually do those things? Uh, I check people's references now. I don't give a crap. If you say, oh yeah, we have mutual friends with this person, I'm calling that person and being like, hey, I was just on you know, this podcast, blah, blah, blah. You guys are mutual friends, right? And see what they say. Like, mm -hmm. you have to vet people. And I, this, like, people are always like, oh, if you can go back and do one thing different in your life, I always like say, no, I wouldn't change anything. It made me who I am. But actually, if I had all this information to vet people properly in entertainment, I would have done it and I would have gone with my gut instincts on people. I don't give a crap if you have millions of followers or if you're popular, famous or rich. If you're not a good person, I don't want to be around you. And that's yeah. it. And it would yeah. have been a much tighter little bubble for me. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the reasons. I mean, I haven't come from an entertainment background whatsoever. I just, when I was growing up, I really enjoyed like performing on stage, making people laugh, you know, like I loved being yeah. around that energy. Uh, and I mentioned to you earlier that I kind of gave up on that idea for almost like what nine ten years after moving to Canada because I had to build a life and I was like yeah I get a real job you know <laughs> but one of the things that I from the get-go decided to do when I entered the world of social media is just my own thing mm. and you know I was like if an opportunity shows up or if something comes my way I will consider it but I want to do it my own way because of the horror stories that I've heard about people screwing each other over you know connections that just fall through because people just want to know you because of the network that you may provide to them and stuff like that. Right. And yeah. so far I got to say, it's been like, it's been awesome because the partnerships that I've made and the connections that I've made are so natural, organic, and authentic. Like I've had Yay. people on my podcast who've had like, you know, 200 followers, like they're not even at all about social media, but I love talking to them and I'm like, just come, you know, like we'll, we'll yeah. have a chat. I, you know, you're obviously a very well-known person you know <laughs> then I'll chat with somebody who's not a very like it's just I don't care like as long as yeah. same, same as you as long as you're a good person as long as you're interesting as long as you have a message to share value to provide I want to talk to you you know and I feel I like love that. that's one of the things I think that kind of maybe is making my podcast grow not as fast perhaps because I don't have anyone helping me I'm just like I just want to do this my way I just want to sit down have a conversation I want to swear if I want to swear I don't <laughs> want to filter myself you know yeah. and I feel like if somebody else unless it's someone who really vibes with me for what I share it's inevitably going to be like a control game it's like okay you can't say this or you can't say that so yeah ah, that does happen the yeah. be this don't be that uh I felt like a lot off the top when I started doing well, there was agents and managers and all these people that were like, we love you. We love exactly what you're doing. Now be completely different. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? Like you just told me. And you know, because I am in marketing and I do understand, I'm like, wait, so the exact thing that my fans come for that make me who I am, that got me all these views, you want me to not do that anymore. Mm -hmm. you, like, cause that could offend people. And you want me to be this scrubbed up, like rom-com comedian girl, which I could do. But then I started going, okay, that how many months of my life is that? Let's say you're shooting a feature film. It's three months to six months of my, my whole life. And then I have to stay scrubbed up and not have any opinions on anything at all, because right. then that's going to be edited. Then it's going to go to theaters. And I still have no opinions, just smile, be pretty and go ha, 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 in interviews and kind of be sassy, funny. And I'm like, I can't do it. Like, that's not what I'm here for. So yeah. I turned down a lot of stuff that I was just like, no, I'd rather put that effort in and make my future films. And then I can be myself the whole time. But do you feel better about yourself in the end? Like, do yeah. you feel like you've stayed true to yourself and you're like, hey, maybe I turned down opportunities that could have brought me a lot of money or could have, but I sleep well at night. Girl, the more money I had, it didn't equate to happier. It actually made more money, more problems. Actually, like I got it. I got like what the rappers were all saying once I started doing really well. And 
I actually like a year, year and a half ago, my sister was like, you know, you were happier when you were on disability. And I'm like, holy shit, you're right. I was because I was doing what I wanted. I was just being myself all the time. I wasn't worried about, you know, don't say this, act like this. The sponsor needs you to not be like this. I wasn't worried about things people were making up or whatever it was. I, I was happier before. So I reshaped my life and like went back into doing my stuff again. Very interesting. Why or how hard was it for you to step away from it? Because I hear a lot of stories of, you know, actors, for example, who are just stuck, right? Because they're like, I don't want to mm. lose my career. I love doing this. Yeah. Uh, but if I express my opinion about anything, I'll, you know, I might, I might lose it. How I'm interested to know how you, I mean, obviously you're a very courageous person, but how did you go from that? Like, Hey, you know what? I'm not hundred percent happy. So I'm just going to do things my way. Uh, again, we're all going to die. And then I think <laughs> of like my, my heroes, like I love George Carlin. George Carlin didn't give a fuck. And that's why we love him. And that's why his stuff is still trending on Twitter and on Instagram and stuff. Like recently he's still trending. It's because he's telling the truth, making it funny, saying what he thinks. Joan Rivers, I don't feel like I really understood her when I was like a kid. I thought she was just mean. But when I listen to her stand up now, I'm like, holy shit, she is so good. And she was just saying what all the adults were thinking. So I just think of that now. I'm like, well, what team do I want to be on? Do I want to be on the team that's just like, everybody kind of knows it's fake and polished and do some of this? Or am I going to be a real person and hopefully activate other people to be real people too? Yeah. yeah like all my chips all in, like I'm going on that side and whoever wants to come can come with me. That's why I'm excited too. Cause I feel like I have a good team around me now. I got rid of all the management and agents and everybody who were trying to make me a different person so they could mm. sell this person. And I'm like, no, just sell me. <laughs> and now I have like a much better team. Awesome. I often wonder if that is why Leonardo DiCaprio is so passionate about climate change, because if you, <laughs> if you look at his like, private jet and yeah. his yachts like he's definitely not living a climate friendly life so to speak if he's so exactly. passionate about climate change so I'm like I wonder like maybe if I was to sit down and talk to him and be like Leo do you actually care or are you just saying that because you know you have to say it because that'll be like bonus points I'm, I'm definitely curious about that girl you already know the answer it's bonus yeah. points or it's like <laughs> he got in trouble they have something to blackmail him with which happens so often by the way so these people say, you're going to stand up for this thing. And this video of you doing this will never leak and it won't wreck your career or Ouch. whatever it might be. Like that happens way more often than you would think. Because obviously that's not his lifestyle. Like he has nothing to do with climate change and he guzzles gas with his planes and stuff. Like he doesn't give a crap. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear that you found your way because I feel like the Nicole Arbor that is the Nicole Arbor, like the world needs that, this Nicole Arbor, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not any other <laughs> Nicole Arbor that anybody else oh, wants. Gosh. Um, I wanted to chat with you about something because we've kind of briefly corresponded in my comment section. And I know that my audience would love to hear all about it, but okay. your view on dates and dating mm. and bill splitting it's such a I can't believe how hot of a topic it is whenever I post anything about it I really don't mean to like divide people on it but anytime I mention anything like oh, yes. she's a gold digger she's you know just I find people in the west no. have very interesting reactions about it so I'm curious to know where you stand on that uh if the guy is not paying for the date why would I be there like ladies did you I'm hear not, that <laughs> I'm not going why would I he doesn't value my time like you can, you can break it down to like the, oh, I did my hair. I did my makeup. I'm paying for nails. Like you don't even have to degrade yourself to that. You don't have to go a price list on each side. You just have to go. The man is trying to court you, the woman. He should be putting his best effort forward. And if he can't spend, you know, 50 bucks on a dinner to hopefully win a wife for life, who's going to carry his kids, then what the heck is he going to be like in the future? So Amen. if he wasn't, paying for my first date, I would leave. I, like, I wouldn't even, I can't even imagine going on a date and splitting with a guy. That seems ridiculous. Yeah. And I think it's so much, it's not about money for me, really. It never was. It's about that exact gesture. It's, it, I mean, it, he shows it with money, but it's the gesture of, hey, if shit hits the fan, I'll take care of things. Hey, yeah. I am the provider energy. Hey, mm -hmm. I am, 
you know, taking the lead, so to speak. And I don't understand why people get so defensive about it, specifically in the West. Like back where, you know, your background is from, back where I'm from, that's not even like, that's not even a question. People are like, well, yeah, obviously. No matter how much money the girl makes, no matter what she does for a living, even if he makes less money than she does, he will take care of the bill. Like that's just how it goes. My boyfriend was actually offended when I tried to like, recently, I was like, oh, I got, I'll just put my card. And he's like, stop that. Like, this isn't, a, I know that you could charge us with like a work expense or whatever. He's like, stop it. I have this. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I was just like in work mode and just like threw a card on the table. We're done dinner. We're in a rush. You know, I think we're going to the Barbie movie. <laughs> so I was just like doing that fast and he got so offended by it. I, yeah. yeah. I think that girls in the West have been treated so poorly for so long and brainwashed for so long with you know, the toxic kind of feminism. It's the guy hating feminism that they're convinced they don't deserve these things or they've convinced themselves they don't deserve these things. It's like, oh, I don't need that, that big house, that big car, whatever. I'm happy in this, whatever, that mentality. It's like, yeah, but you actually do deserve that and you deserve to be treated and then you get to be more feminine because you're being taken care of. Yeah. Even if it's McDonald's, whatever. Yeah. How do you, so two questions for you in terms of the, I love how you said guy hating feminism. I was trying to put the right word, like the right term for that. (laughs) And you just birthed it. I was like, yes, this is what it is. The guy hating feminism. At what point did that happen and why? Why why is there a culture of hating men so much? I think they got away with a lot of crap for a long time. And it, the pendulum just kind of goes to extremes sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think it went from like, yeah, girl power and we can all vote. And, you know, my, my great aunt, she was a suffragette. So she like helped us get the vote. And it went from like that to being like, I don't need no man. And I'm like, right. wait, 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 what happened between these two? Because <laughs> like we can want to work and we can want to contribute and we can want to vote without us saying we don't need men because we do need men. And that's a stupid thing to say. Absolutely. And I think that just comes from pain. You know, you grew up in a broken home or you just don't want to be disappointed by having expectations. And if you have expectations, you might be disappointed. So those girls that are like, oh, I don't need no man. I can do everything by myself. Guys are this, guys are that. They're only saying that because they've experienced shitty things and they don't Mm -hmm. want to be disappointed again. But it makes more sense to get your expectations and your beliefs and your value back up and, you know, not tolerate crap. (laughs) Don't tolerate crap behavior. It's what you're going to get. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. I think instead of maybe expectations, even just set standards, because standards nobody That's can lower once you have them, right? Expectations yeah. are important because I feel like out of the standards, they will kind of flow, you know? So it's like, okay, my standard is this, mm-hmm. and this is the least I can expect. That's it. I'm not tolerating anything less. Um, the One of the yeah, That's things... the word I was looking for, by the way. You found the yeah, word Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. Um, One of the things that I find always almost funny is when women in the West scream about being oppressed. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. There are women running like companies. There are female CEOs. You can Mm -hmm. do whatever you want as a woman in the Western world. Mm -hmm. If you feel oppressed, try going to, I don't know, Afghanistan by yourself. Like from, I haven't been, but from what I hear, you will have some major difficulties becoming a female CEO there, you know? Mm -hmm. And here we have, we're free to do whatever we want. So I, and, and, and there's also that whole conversation about like, well, yeah, but we're not totally equal because, you know, I'm like, yeah, but don't take that up with men. Take that up with God, if anything, like, (laughs) you know, they don't have nothing to do with the fact that we're built differently and we have some times of the month maybe we're, we're not as productive or when we have a baby and we're not yeah. as productive like it's just it, it's not men's fault right oh yeah. we're making humans <laughs> like yeah. that's a big job it's okay to like relax after and be like not in full boss mode all the time i personally girl boss too hard there's like a yeah. tiktok like oh i girl boss too hard and now i have to actually do the work that totally happened to me i girl yeah. boss too hard and then i was like i don't like this I want to also be a woman and be girly and be feminine and I can shift into like rocker Nicole. Like I have like a whole rock EP coming out and like, that's part of me, but I don't want to live there all the time. Yeah. I don't want to live here all the time. I think men help us move into the different variations of us. And without them, like we have no, 
no calibration almost. I think hating on dudes is really silly. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with you. I had a very similar situation. I girl bossed way too hard in the corporate world. So much so (laughs) that I started like totally competing with my husband and Uh just, yeah, it, it just recently went away. Like I feel like we just started to now work out those issues and I realized that just like you said like it's no it's not a problem if you're a girl boss but for me personally outside of my home sure but inside I just want to chill and be feminine and be a little bit more on the softer end you know I don't want to constantly take the lead and take the charge and everything it's in men's genetics to want to take care of us so if you're not allowing a man to take care of you you're kind of cutting his balls off Mm. and then he's not going to want to stay there that long. I actually think it goes into like why so many guys cheat and they treat women poorly and stuff. It's like that standard. If the standard is they don't even have to pay for a date, then they're not going to take care of you. And they're Mm -hmm. not going to, you're going to have a shitty relationship where we're just lying to ourselves. Like, I don't need that. I can buy my own meal. It's not about that. This isn't about economics. This is about romance. There's a difference. And I think we probably need some classes on it. Yeah. Nobody teaches us this stuff. Hey, no, I want to ask you something because you mentioned, you know, we're talking about girl bossing too hard. And this is something that my audience is super interested about. And I feel like anytime I get a chance to talk to somebody about it, I just do because it's such an interesting subject. How do you balance the get shit done mode, the rock and roll Nicole, who's Mm -hmm. kind of like in her masculine and then the feminine side of Nicole? I kind of set, well, first the biggest like girl boss lesson I made or learned last year is say no, say no. Everything is not for you. Every opportunity isn't actually an opportunity. It's not an opportunity if it's going to burn you out. It's not an opportunity if you're working with douchebags, even if you're going to make a ton of money that are going to leave you stressed out, upset. Then when you come home, you're a jerk to your partner, like, cause you're just in a bad mood. And then to be able to flip back and forth, I feel like it's, you know, fluffy language, but I honor each part separately. And I'm like, yeah, this is like this type of mode. I'm going to get in this mode. I'm going to be there. And then sometimes like last night, I wore a cute little cocktail dress and heels. And I'm like, I'm going in girl mode now. And my boyfriend came home and just laughed. He saw me and started laughing. He's like, I love it. You look gorgeous. I'm like, thank you. And he knows like between this hour and this hour, I'm going to be in this mode. And he even said that it's funny when he can see me thinking. He's like, you'll be like, oh, girly and bubbly. And then you'll just be like, hmm. (laughs) He's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, what I would do differently at this nightclub to make them more money, actually. <laughs> well, that happened last night. I was like, oh, this person could have done this. They need to offer this. Where's the menu? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've watched a lot of Bar Rescue. <laughs> it's a balancing act for sure. And, you know, when people say like, oh, but then you're faking. It's like, no, you're not. You're always different with different people. It's just how it goes. So just learn how to balance to that. Be one thing. That's the lie. That yeah. we are supposed to be one. Nobody's one thing. Like even guys, they go play sports. And I think it's important for guys to go play sports or have like a martial art so they can go with other dudes and be all like in that freaking man testosterone mode, kicking each other's asses, practicing murder. Exactly. Oh, I'm the biggest yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then they come home and then they want to have sex for sure. Yeah. They come home and they're like, they feel like they got that out. So then they can be a good dad, like a nice husband or partner or whatever. I'd be more like, ah, Um, but it's stupid to pretend that we're in one mode all the time. It's dumb. Like we're not, nobody is. No, absolutely. I love that. I think that's sound advice for, for ladies and for gentlemen. I don't know how many gentlemen exactly will be listening to this episode, but (laughs) if somebody makes it this far, definitely. Yeah. Go to sports. More often. There's a lot Go of to colors jiu-jitsu. in a painting. Yeah. Like yeah. a painting with one color is really boring. That's just a black and white print. That's stupid. You want Absolutely. all the stuff. And how do you balance authenticity with that? Can you be authentic and also play different roles and have different, so to speak, not personas, but just different ways of approaching different people or being that with different people? That is me being authentic. And I had to have this conversation not long ago where I'm like, I'm not willing to give up any of these sides of me. And I am putting out the rock EP where I am like, rah. And you know what? One of those tracks I wrote while I was disabled, getting the most painful, excruciating physical treatment on my body into my nerves, like injections into my nerves. And I wrote the whole track in my head to like get me out of it. So I could just stay conscious basically. And I'm releasing that track and it's a rock track and it's for people who might be in pain or might be at the gym and they just want to get a freaking pump in or they need some motivation.
but I also have some pop stuff. And that's a different mode. That's like, mm -hmm. you're getting ready to go out. You're at the club, you're whatever. And that is authentic to me. I think being in only one is inauthentic because nobody's ever always in that one, one mode, no matter what it is. Yeah. Nicole, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on. Thank um, you. If you want to maybe share, how can people, you know, find your course? I'm going to link it all in the caption, but just kind of a brief if anybody's listening to the audio and Thanks. wanting to follow along. Yeah, that's fun. Um, I should probably hit you with an affiliate code because that would be awesome for you to share that with your audience. Yay. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, let's do it that way. We can add that in after. But for me, it's letter I, letter B, Nicole Arbor. So I'm IB Nicole Arbor on Instagram and TikTok. And then on YouTube, I'm Nicole Arbor. Yay. Fantastic. You're Thank so you freaking so good. Like, I just, I just, I just need you to know, like, please don't stop ever. You're like, you're so freaking talented and you're so funny and so pretty. And it's just, I feel like I'm watching a garden of all these like amazing flowers coming up at once. And I'm like, oh, look at her over there. Look at her over there. And it's like, we're defeating all the stereotypes of what guys say we can't be. And I'm just like, I'm like so proud of you every time I watch your videos. Nicole, do you know how much that means hearing from you? Like, oh, oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> You're so thank you good. so much. Yay. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom and your bright light. And uh, thank you very much to our lovely listeners for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.